Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, boys and girls, insurance agents and others. This is Michael Chance, co-founder of Agency Revolution. Delighted to be with you today, broadcasting from the Casita. And I want to welcome you to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution, creators of the most powerful marketing and communication software built specifically to meet the needs of insurance agencies and brokerages. If you believe that the relationship that you have with your clients is the heart of your business, and I suspect that you do, then you need to see how Agency Revolution can make those relationships stronger and longer. If you haven't done it lately, please do yourself a favor. Visit agencyrevolution.com to receive a free demo of their award-winning software today. Um, And... I'm excited about today's conversation with my longtime friend, a name you're probably very familiar with in the industry, Steve Anderson, one of the top thought leaders in technology and has been for more than 25 years serving the needs of the independent insurance agency system. Steve is the, among other things, (laughs) uh, uh, and among many other things, the author of uh, the best-selling author of the Bezos Letter, 14 Principles to Grow Your Business Like Amazon. He's the um, founder and president of the Anderson Network. He uh, serves as um, an advisory board member of the Connected Insurance Observatory. He's a member of the national faculty of the National Alliance for Insurance Education and Research, and on and on. Uh, I've known Steve as a poignant and astute observer of insurance agencies and, in particular, their relationship with technology and, of course, how they can better use and exploit the power of technology to grow their agency and to make it more productive and more profitable. In this conversation, Steve... Um, well, I think he does a really good job of clearing away some of the confusion regarding technology, but also taking a peek into the future. We talk about the major trends and forces that are excelling the, accelerating the use of technology by insurance agents, some of which are, well, they're just too important for you to be missing out on. He talks about how covid has uh, changed the insurance consumer and how agents need to respond to those changes um, now and uh, and now going forward. And uh, also one of my favorite questions to which Steve, of course, gives very, um, well, helpful and straightforward answers regarding critical issues that agencies must consider as they think about buying technology in the future. So um, prediction, you're going to get a lot out of this conversation with Steve Anderson. Before I go, 
and bring you into the conversation very quickly. I want to, again, remind you, if you haven't done it lately, if you'd be kind enough to connect with me on LinkedIn and follow Agency Revolution on LinkedIn. And as always, if this podcast series has been of value to you, if you'd be kind enough to give us a five-star review, and if I haven't earned it, let me know, and I'll do my best to earn it. Michael at michaeljans.com. And now, without further ado, it is a great privilege of mine to introduce you and to um, encourage you to listen to this one twice, my conversation with Steve Anderson. Steve Anderson, delighted to have you with us today. How are you? I'm doing great, Michael. Thanks for uh, having me on. Always look forward to our conversations. Uh, indeed, me too, whether they're recorded or not. So, um, well, Steve, uh, our, our listeners probably do know you, uh, but for those who don't, and, and for, perhaps for those who don't know you as well as I do, um, if you would, give us a little thumbnail about what it is that you do and and how you got to be the Steve Anderson of the insurance industry. <laughs> um, well, the short background is I uh, started my career working for an independent insurance agency in Washington, D.C. a very long time ago now um, and worked in two different independent agencies over really the, kind of the first half of my career doing, you know, everything and mm -hmm. um uh, got really interested in the technology and that first agency I, I was responsible for bringing in our first in-house agency management system. And this is probably, I, I don't remember exactly, but probably 82, 83, 84. So, you know, pretty early on and then kind of just kept going down that particular hole. Um, and then, uh, uh, 1999, 25-ish uh, yeah. years ago, mm -hmm. uh, went out on my own and started doing speaking, writing, consulting, research around all kinds of technologies coming and helping agents and brokers understand them, uh, vet vendors, and then um, implement them within their organization, always with a focus on doing one of two things reducing expenses or increasing revenue. Got it. Um, and so now, a uh, re uh, real quick uh, summary of um, what has your attention right now? And then we'll, uh, uh, th then I got some big questions for you. Okay. What, what are you up to? Well, right now? I would say um, uh, kind of two things now had an interesting pivot uh, the last couple years in uh, actually writing and publishing a book, which has, uh, become uh, an international bestseller. It's, Indeed, congratulations. Uh, my, you're welcome. Kind of a surprise. And I'm looking forward to the Portuguese version. I uh, yes, uh, actually, it's already out. I could, you know, okay. I, could, I, I don't, I don't have one, but uh, the the cover's already out. Okay, it's being translated in 17 languages, USA Today and and Wall Street Journal bestseller uh, called the mm -hmm. Bezos Letters. Mm -hmm. Uh, 14 principles to grow your business like Amazon. Again, long story there. We'll leave that for another time, but um, still really focused on insurance agents and brokers and, you know, technology really over, especially the last year uh, has had, you know, significant implications and uh, benefits uh, for the industry right. uh, as we've, obviously done all kinds of different things differently than what we've done before. So interesting that uh, interesting that you should say benefits. So uh, I'll make sure we circle back to that. 
Um, so uh, you'd mentioned you went on your own in 1999. Technology's changed a little bit, but you definitely <laughs> got you, well. Just you got little. ahead of the path of progress, right? I mean, well, you, 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 well, we both did. I think it was actually 1999 that um, that Michael Jans uh, and Lucas Jans uh, uh-huh. started uh, ZipDrip, the first automatic oh, yeah. email marketing system for insurance agents. Yep. So yeah, we, we were doing technology around the same time. Me as a builder, and and you as a thought leader and an analyst and a and a uh, and an advisor. Um, I remember. Oh, this this precedes 1999 um, I, when I was running the PIA on the West Coast, and the big issue, the big technology issue, was agency management systems. And you know, we hosted a few battle of the system yep. workshops. Yep. And we we had a facilitator and probably three or four or five management system vendors doing screenshots. And I remember going back, kind of circling around the audience and listening to some of the older principals, <laughs> kind of you know looking at each other and saying, "Are you going to get one of these things?" Or you know, "Are you going to get a computer?" Yeah. So uh, and, you know, and now here we are, generation later, and. Obviously, every viable insurance agency has a management system of some sort, but they're they're not they're not confronted with one big decision. They're confronted with an an infinite number of decisions, such that now it seems the technology is just a critical, fundamental, core part of the job of running an agency. Yeah, and I think it is, and it has been for a while. But again, I think that's maybe one of the benefits to the industry of this last year is all of those trends were already in play and and starting along. But boy, have they gotten accelerated. Um, I mean, it's just like throwing gasoline on a fire. And, right. and I think that's a benefit, right? We couldn't just sit back and, and not worry about it. We had to adapt and and do things that we maybe wouldn't have done for five years to take care of our clients. So that's sort of the, I would say, benefit to the industry and benefit to agents and brokers in terms of a better understanding and realization how important technology, and again, I use that as a broad term, we can talk specifics, but how important uh, adapting to their clients changing expectations. And I think that's obviously another trend that was accelerated uh, in terms of uh, people being <laughs> online and right. Yeah. All those kind of things. Okay. And, right. And I, you and I both talked to agents for, for years and, you know, I, I, I I'm not going to sell online. I, I'm not going to put, you know, quoting on my website. I'm not, I want to talk to people. And I always came back saying, I, I don't really care what you want. What does your client want? What Mm -hmm. does your prospect want, right? And are you providing them the tools and the ability to do what they want to do in their time frame? This is, uh, you raised a really interesting point um, that the past year, our experience, our our global experience with COVID has accelerated certain trends with insurance agents, but it didn't leave the consumer alone either, did it? It no, really accelerated uh, the uh, pace of change with consumers. So, um, first of all, let's uh, let's back up. We could go a, a lot of different ways there, so I'll let you try and organize it. Well, you mentioned the word trends, so let's start with that. What do you think are the biggest trends and forces that are? Um, affecting and changing and reshaping the industry as it relates to technology? 
Well, I, you know, and these aren't necessarily in order of importance, but um, remote work. I, I've been talking about the virtual agency and being remote and having that as an option literally for probably five, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And always the pushback was, well, how do I know if they're doing anything? And, <laughs> no, I want people in the office. And, right, right th- those kinds hey, of things. Th- and, th- look, th- those are legitimate questions, right? Yes, t- 10, 10, 11 years ago, those were the very questions I was asking. Yep, when absolutely. when my, my marketing lieutenant, who I trained for a year and a half, um, you know, uh, uh, t- told Oof. me his wife was pregnant right. and he said, I got to go. Right. And I was like, no, right. no, I, I put a year and a half into you, dude. You don't get a life of your own where you make your own decisions. And so it, it was at that point, Maggie, my, um, at that point she was, I think my COO, uh-huh. she said, well, why don't you have work remote? And so, I, you know, I, I, it, it's easy now. I right. think to say, oh gosh, people are being naive when they, you know, don't embrace it. But it, it is hard. So, okay, so let's let's uh, click through. Let's um, let's start first. Identify some of the trends, and then I want to zero in on how okay. you think they're affecting us. So, remote work is one. So, remote work is one. Um, and you know, and I keep struggling with kind of the buzzword terminology versus something that's helpful. But you know, really. Uh, the the digitization of agencies and that has several aspects. Uh, okay. Let's just take uh, information access. Meaning, uh, well, I'll give you an example. Uh, a year ago now, almost March, uh, on LinkedIn, I actually captured, did a screen capture of this post for an agency owner that had a post on LinkedIn that, and I'm paraphrasing because I'm not quoting it, but it basically said, you know, in order to be part of the solution, not the problem, we're closing our office and, and sending our employees home. Please do not call because our employees have no access to your uh, information. Uh, We hope to reopen as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I went, Oh, I feel so sorry for that agency, their staff and their clients because the agency obviously hadn't done enough to have information available, whether that's data or documents, to be able to service their customers anywhere. Um, and yeah. and again, that you know, now it's almost you know, no question we've got to be online. No question we've got to have a telephone system that allows us to answer a call anywhere we happen to be. We you know, it, it again that trend already was in place. Lots of people talking about it, but boy, did it accelerate. Okay. And I, I, and then I have to point to the consumer and, um, you know, their expectations. And I was um, trying to quickly look up a quote and I can't, so I'm going to paraphrase it, but tar- outside the industry, because I, I, I do a lot of really trend watching outside our industry, because frankly, one of the benefits, Michael, you and I have of being in this industry, certainly around technology, mm-hmm. is we're, you know, five, six, seven years behind everybody else. So we can <laughs> so, we can look outside the industry and, and see what they're doing and bring it back. And everybody thinks, oh, wow, I can't believe they can think that far in advance. We, we could predict the future and people think we're geniuses. Right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and all we did was like read the newspaper or something. Yeah. 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 So uh, one, and this is just a, a last week, I think I saw a, uh, a comment in an article about target 
and Target, Walmart, you know, a bunch of retailers had to pivot quickly to, in their case, to a, a combination online and pick up in store uh, shopping experience. Right. What really caught me, though, was specifically with Target is that their omni-channel, meaning online, you know, various places where their customers can go to find stuff and buy it, the, the more channels that that customer was engaged with had significantly higher purchase percentage than just like an in-store shopper. Uh, and, and, and to me, that was, you know, we've talked about on, omni-channel and being available wherever for agencies, but it was just had hard numbers around how much it did improve the sales revenue when you were able to do that. Uh, so it, it didn't just cannibalize existing sales, which is the thing people are concerned about. No, not at it, all. In fact, okay. it increased because, again, the consumer could choose how they wanted to buy. And I'm afraid too many agency owners are like, you know, no, this is how I sell. This is how I've always sold. And so you have to do it my way. Okay. And, so and consumers uh -huh. aren't going to put up with that anymore, especially now. Yeah. Uh, well, let's circle back to remote work. Okay. Um, how do you see it working well now with agencies who've more or less cracked the code on it? And um, where do you see it going in the future in our industry? So, um, Agencies have cracked the code because they had to. <laughs> and yeah, not, but you know, not, I mean, not everybody, but uh, well, you know, I I mean, would, you know what? I would say a ones. much larger percentage than I would have expected. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe we did better. You're right. I think we did. Yeah. Um, and certainly, I, I see a difference between uh, metropolitan urban area agencies and hmm. more rural. Uh, in fact, in the Big Eye survey of, of their members in August um, last year, asking about work from home, uh, you know, 15% of agencies said we never stopped working in our office, which I was I was wow. surprised at how high a percentage that was. Wow. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, you know the others learned how to do it and learned fast mm -hmm. I mean, even some of the biggest you know brokers in the US learned fast uh, right. and most were prepared to some degree but not to the scale and i think that's part of what's different i i feel like going forward once we really are able to get people back into offices we will not go back to where we were I think it'll be some type of hybrid. A little like, hybrid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think employees have gone, why should I drive an hour to work and home? Um, why, you know, I still get stuff done. And whether we like it or not, we've all gotten more comfortable with video meetings, et cetera, and are learning, right, what works and what doesn't. Um, I think the same is in the case in terms of sales. You know, how, how do producers prospect when, they can't go out. Well, right. frankly, they've learned, right? They've, yeah. they've tested stuff. A lot of them are really uncomfortable, but we're forced to do something different. And I don't think they're going to, you know, it's not, it's like, you know, stretching the elastic band and it doesn't go back to the way it was. Um, <clears throat> all right. So uh, I, I think it's probably fair to say, I'm curious what your thought is on this, 
that remote work has some distinct advantages over the old model. Uh, now, the old model has some advantages as well. Correct. It's, it's really pretty good at building culture. In other words, you know, for, for example, my team, not Agency Revolution, but Michael Jan's advisory, um, <clears throat> we've never met each other physically. We're all uh, mm -hmm. remote workers. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, you know, there, fr from time to time, I think, um, gosh and gollies, it'd be good to bring us all together. Because yep. um, just like in a just like a um, you know a <clears throat> digital conference versus a physical conference, right? right? right. Uh, digital conferences are kind of interesting, but nothing replaces a physical conference, um, you know, with a bar at the end of the right. day or something <laughs> like that. Right? The, the exactly. networking that goes well, you on. You probably with, learn more at the bar than you did <laughs> in the sessions. But uh, could 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 very well be true. And so, the, uh, so okay, so the old model we can't discount it. Um, no. there's something magical about shaking hands and whatever. Well, and, um, and I actually think about as an example of that, a agency website development firm in Pennsylvania, right. Uh, called Forge three. Um, and they have built and have grown significantly over the last few years, but mm -hmm. they, they specifically are a virtual organization. And they try and hire local oh, so, that, yeah. so that they can once a quarter, do <laughs> so a get, team, they, you know, they something. Have a retreat and a Christmas party. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. You know, and, and that's sort of that hybrid idea. We don't have to be all together in the same place all the time, but we do want to be together for strategic, for brainstorming, for, um, you know, building that culture. And I think you have to be much more intentional about those kinds of activities than just sort of, hey, you want to go to lunch, you know, right. at, on Friday mm -hmm. kind of thing that happened more organically. So I think th those are some of the things that have been learned in, in this last year is, as uh, many of us have been uh, more remote than ever in the past. Uh, so then on the other side, on the flip side of the coin, there are clearly some advantages to the remote model. <laughs> and, and one of them is, um, is, is that um, everybody's not together in the same space at right. the <laughs> same time. Well, simply because um, you know, every single new body adds frictional cost, right? Because now right. you know we come into work and we need to talk about the bar barbecue over the weekend and right i mean so right. so so multiply yep. that times everybody who's there um but in addition to that um, maybe some even more real benefits one is um employee satisfaction if in fact i don't have to commute for 45 minutes both ways um yep. what, what do i do with that time i spend right. it with my children or my dog so life is life is better and at the same time i think um I spent a lot of time thinking about how to help employees manage that, right? So that they right. don't take those, that 45 minutes and just tack on extra work because that's not going to be viable too. long term right. either, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. burnout and right, all those kinds of things. So I think there needs to be some intentionality around helping employees you know, understand the difference and, and manage some of those um, 
potential problems that that could come up. Indeed. Right. Um, Not everybody is perhaps as lucky as I am where my work is in the casita. (laughs) So I've got got to commute 40 feet before I can even get to work. (laughs) But uh, but admittedly, for some people, they've got to do it at the kitchen table and the kids are going to school. And yes, there are problems there. Okay, but then issues there. um, And then there's the other side where conceivably a producer um, instead of driving from appointment to appointment, really could um, could uh, structure a, a sales day so that there are appointments one right after the other, Correct. and and we see people, we hear people. Um, it it is on a computer screen, but there's a lot of magic that can happen uh, in that kind of communication, and and so it does seem that a well organized, um, oh, technically capable. Uh, yep. not even brilliant, but a technically competent producer can increase their productivity by going remote and that um, the marketplace is accepting of that now. Yes, now. And I think that's the key. I, I, they wouldn't have last year, but they do now. Right. Um, yeah, right, right. And, and um, you know, I'm hearing more and more stories from agents and producers talking about doing, you know, a $300,000 revenue account presentation <laughs> over Zoom. Yeah. Right. When when you would have flown to another city to do that last mm-hmm. year. Right? right. So that would have been three days. Right. And we took care of it in 90 minutes or something with a couple it's, of follow-up calls. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I think, uh, yeah, there's no question that that remote can lead to enhanced productivity all around. Um, all right. So, so what else? Let me me interject here too. um, give for, uh, I'm thinking producers really specifically given that possibility, um, the agency, the IT department, the producer themselves really needs to up their video game. Ah, okay. They yes. can't, I don't believe that they should just rely on a Zoom meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, they might want to create, if they're in an agency or even in a in a workspace somewhere. But um, you know, I'll give you a quick example. Zoom has the capability of actually interfacing with two cameras, so your right. webcam, but also another camera. So mm-hmm. could you create something that's a bit more interesting? than just a talking head and have a camera on a whiteboard and switch to that camera as you draw out the program or the whatever it that might make sense. Absolutely. Right. So right. that's what I mean. That's kind of, I would say, first level. The The next level is to take some lessons from live video streams, be it Facebook Live or LinkedIn Live, probably the two most people um, interact with because those streams, especially the ones that are done well, actually use live streaming software to create some of the effects and the, and the graphics and, um, and, and it's, it's not, I would, how do I want to say this? You know, if you're not used to video editing or video, you know, live stuff, it's, it's another skill set. So it's going to be uncomfortable in the beginning. But the more you can learn to do that, the more you can engage 
and, and create more engagement in a flat screen video than just you talking to a webcam. Right on. All right. Um, let me, uh, I'm, I'm going to change gears here for a moment. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> pandemic or no pandemic, year after year, venture capital has been really interested in insurance and insure tech and funding in insure tech. Um, some of which is, um, oh, largely irrelevant to the um, agency at the day-to-day -day level. A lot of insure tech is focused on other elements or aspects of the business, but some of it is friendly and some of it is unfriendly. <laughs> when you look at this, um, at this stream of uh, potentially disruptive or transformative capital, what, what, are, what do you think are the trends that we need to be paying attention to right now? Um, and I, and I, I'll maybe separate it a little further too, in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, the direct to consumer plays. Right. Um, and we certainly could pick on Lemonade or maybe even Tesla or, you know, some of those. What's interesting to me is um, I keep reading headlines and articles about, you know, who's more disruptive, you know, Lemonade or Tesla. I don't think either one of them are. Uh -huh. They're not they're not they're not disrupting the industry. They're taking the industry and doing the same thing. But what they do have different is they are they are engaging digitally with the their end consumer. And in Tesla's case, they are taking data that they have access to in their vehicles and using that as a, a means to adjust rates, et cetera. But they're right. not they're not creating a whole new type, different type of policy we've never seen before. So they're not disruptive. I guess that's my point. I think we're using those terms way too easily. Mm -hmm. um, I, the other kind of so category to me are for for agent and broker focused are direct to consumer and uh, agency support. Um, okay. And I feel like the direct to consumer is learning that as much as they don't like the agent, the clients, the customers seem to. And, and so um, <laughs> I've, I've had more than one guest on this podcast series that um, that jumped into this industry to uh, disintermediate. Yeah. And then, of course, they, they were a guest of mine because they had uh, they discovered an agency channel. Huh, funny thing no, about really that. I mean, the one, I mean, and I don't know who you've had on, Michael, but the one that comes to mind is Cover Wallet. OK, fair enough. And, yeah. That's and one now of they them. have Cover Wallet for agents. Right. Right. And again, huge barrier to jump over when you've been competing directly with agents to go, oh, wait, maybe we need you um, in that process. So, you know, so you've got that piece of it. And I think we'll have that piece for a while. And frankly, we've always had that piece since I've mm -hmm. been in this industry. We've had Geico or Nationwide or State Farm or all, I mean, all of those direct to consumer plays what's changed well the communication channels have changed right and perhaps um in some you know in, in in a lot of ways they've improved those channels which is why they are um you know gaining customers but that's no different than the 1-800 numbers that people would call you know in the 80s <laughs> <laughs> right okay so there's always a segment that's going to gravitate to that is there a big enough segment 
to sustain some of these entities, that's that I really question. I mean, you look at it actually, uh, and, and I've had the opportunity to do a bit of deeper dive into, you know, Root and Metro Mile and mm-hmm. kind of some of the auto plays. And I, I and I, again, I'm going to, I'm going to quote a number that may be off. So, but, you know, Root in several states have taken significant rate increases. Why? Huh, their claims are high. Yeah. They're not they got enough <laughs> premium or don't have enough customers coming in. And so, you know, from a, I would say, regulatory and statutory uh, profitability standpoint, that the uh, to me, the question still remains, are they, are they long-term viable? And do you want to leave that as a question? Uh, probably. Okay. Here's where I, I go, I am not an analyst. Um, right. I can look at financial statements, but I don't really like to. Um, so I'll, I'll just leave that in terms of what I have seen is all of the advantages they say they'll have in terms of lowering rates, et cetera. Speed of uh, claims, yeah. Speed of claims okay. uh, uh-huh. may not be an advantage. <clears throat> Got it. And we'll see long term, again, you know, how that plays out. Okay. Uh, so on the friendly side of insure tech, yes. um, <laughs> what, what, where, do you see, uh, where do you see the trends? What do you think is happening? Um, There are a lot of smart people who are trying to create point solutions for agents and brokers. Um, I I would say a trend right now that I'm seeing is a lot of activity in small commercial quoting. And so trying to create a a way to streamline uh, uh, slash eliminate a uh, CSA having to go to five carrier websites to get a quote for a, mm-hmm. for a floor shop. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> literally in the last, again, let's say three, four, five years, a whole bunch of new possible options are, have become available and all trying to solve that and doing in various ways, you know, maybe Did- creating that solution. But that becomes then hugely difficult for agencies because who do they who do they bet on, right? Who ah. do they bring in? Who do they? How do I even know is this provider the best one or is that provider the best one or is there another third one out there I don't even know about yet? <laughs> and, and, and that's certainly where I I have played and hope to continue to play is is you know, being that conduit, at, at least here's what I see and, and mm-hmm. what I think. And again, from my perspective, it's always the agency's decision what they want to do. But having someone with maybe a broader view to help them understand what the options are and how to decide, right, which option is yeah. best for them. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else significant in uh, in terms of insure tech trends that agents should keep their well I, th- I think we're certainly continuing to see do I even use the word consolidation um, <laughs> rearrangement, yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know in the agency management system platform space um, uh, yeah well <laughs> you know, as we talk as we talk and we recording this, you know, certainly applied's acquisition of EasyLinks, 
which I think caught a few of us by surprise. Uh, that would caught it caught me by surprise. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and I mean that doesn't happen every day. I mean I you know been in the industry too long to get surprised by very much. That one caught me by surprise. Yeah, um, just given the you know background and history mm -hmm. and, and and those kinds of things. So you know it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, mm -hmm. But again, kind of back to your you know private equity venture capital funded yeah. stuff, you know, there, there is money. Um, and at the same time, there are new entrants trying to come into the U S market. Um, the one I'm thinking of is, is, uh, coming from overseas and sees an opportunity. Um, so it's continues to be dynamic. Uh, I think the other trend is I I'll say this. I hope I'm seeing is a better realization that the more open the platforms are, the better it is for the uh, agency. I love, I love to hear that one. The better uh, uh, it is for the <clears throat> vendor. Um, okay, so <laughs> when I was running it, that? I mean, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was running it in short tech, that was like it seemed to me that gosh. Isn't that the direction that we're going? But as as you mentioned earlier, insurance may be a few years behind the pace. But it seemed like, oh, you know, some of the vendors that I was trying to create relationships with were trying to operate like it was still 1995. So, right. yeah, t talk about that for a moment. The um, uh, uh, opening the architecture of uh, of technology. What, uh, what's the what do you see as the advantage of that for the agency and the industry? Well, I think there's been an attitude among management system vendors that um, we can create all the solutions, and yeah. I feel like that's changing. And in the, mm -hmm. you know, I think you know, so. ten, ten years ago, that may have been true, um, because the the connectivity, right, APIs to get a little more technical, but being able to share data seamlessly and appropriately was hard. Um, partly because old platforms, lots of reasons. Um, mm -hmm. So I think I think that mindset. Uh, is changing, and and I'm I certainly am seeing more management system vendors, not just sort of for an applied, but opening up or creating ways for third-party solutions to connect uh -huh. into the system. Yeah, I think the other thing that may be as important, or perhaps more important, over the next five to ten years, I also think I'm seeing carriers being more open to the same kind of connectivity. What does that mean? Um, uh, let's talk rating. You know, if, okay. if, if I can have an API, API access into a carrier rating system and I have a niche um, focus or niche product and I can put that on my website to bring prospects in and get a bindable real-time rate, uh, and streamline that whole buying process, that sounds interesting to me. Bingo. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Uh, Steve, I have, I have one last question for you. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> you've been advising agencies on, on technology for years and years. When I was, um, when I was the CEO of a startup, 
uh, as with most startups, uh, getting traction is uh, life or death, right? You're either going to get it or you're not. And if you don't, you're gone. Mm-hmm. And so um, making, in other words, making sales mattered right. a lot. Yep. And uh, and so we we structured our sales team, tweaked it, changed it, modified it, tried this model, tried this model until finally we got a, a model that was um, r- really very, very effective. So we had a really good sales system. Nonetheless, what we discovered and 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 um, what the market kept uh, proving to us was that most agencies didn't have a good buying system for technology. Mm. Um, made my job a little bit harder. And yeah. so, uh, and, and, but now we're in an age where um, understanding a little bit about technology, uh, scanning the landscape of technology is is really critical. People need to know what's available, how it can solve problems. And as I'd said earlier, I think part of the job of being an agency principal is knowing how to um, select, purchase, and master technology. So let's yes. focus on the first part. Um, well, and what, I, what would you I'd, say? I'd probably add a step before. Okay. I would say no. um, be become aware of, right, um, it, right. and then evaluate, and then select, right. So, okay, uh, right. And I would say one of the big areas I hear from agency owners is, you know, help me understand what the options are, and you know, help me um, eliminate, frankly you know, the ones that I probably shouldn't look at and help me narrow it down to a few that I can, you know, do a deeper dive in or, um, you know, have those options available. And and then I can make a a informed and intelligent decision about what to move forward. Excellent. So you identified four steps, and I think that's uh, very poignant. Be aware of evaluate, select, and then master. So let's really quickly, let's start at the top. Uh, Right before this conversation with you, I had a conversation with somebody who's new to the industry but has a relatively um, important position. And she asked me, um, what should I read, Michael? What should I, uh, what, what should I pay attention to so I know what's going on? And this is in the technology part of the industry. Um, and I thought, and I really had to ponder that for a while because I thought, well, you don't want to read as much as I do. You don't have time for that. Um, (laughs) right. It's like, I I can give you the name of, you know, like 15 different sources, but that's going to drive you crazy. Um, and and that may be true. I think that's, that's true for the average agency principal. Um, and so what do you suggest? And, and you and, and following Steve Anderson, by the way, would be a terrific resource for this. But what, what do you suggest uh, to agency principals for step number one, which is to be aware of? How can they scan that landscape and just simply know what's out there? Kind of like you, I have to pause on that question. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, that that certainly is one of the things that I do. and. Um, and, and maybe a better place to start, I'm going to have to go back to Jeff Bezos and give him credit, but in one mm-hmm. of his shareholder letters, he talks about, um, talks a lot about staying day one 
being day one, it remains day one, et cetera. And I, I, I delve into that a lot. But he was asked a question at an all, all employee meeting, you know, Jeff, what does day two look like? And and he mm. he he talks about that slow death when a company starts really believing their own press. Um, actually, Forbes uh-huh. article that just came out was really good on this point, and it and it says, "Is your success making you lazy?" And I uh-huh. love that phrase because I think there are a lot of agency owners that are lazy. Well, the success of this industry, yeah, I mean, yeah. this this industry, the 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 best kept secret of the American economy for so long, right? Oh um, my gosh, yes. Yeah. And so uh, that was a little roundabout way, but uh, my my point here is one of the comments he made of how to prevent that is is quote be aware of external trends, uh, and actually. Mm-hmm. Let me give you his exact words are eagerly embrace external trends. And so I think that's maybe a place to start. Um, And what are some of those external trends? Well, uh, you know, um, uh, machine learning, data analytics. I mean, there there are uh, several mobile, digital access. Those are, are trends that are here. And again, I believe only have gotten accelerated, you know, moving forward. So that's kind of look in those areas. And then what I do a lot, as I said before, is look outside the industry, you know, for some of that. What what else is going on? So um, find, find I, I would say, a couple of sources that you feel comfortable are, you know, and I'm trying not to say this, but do what I do, which is, mm-hmm. I'm con- like you. I'm constantly looking, reading, going, oh, that's interesting. Let me put that aside over here. <clears throat> or I wonder how an agent could use that. Um, and, and so taking a look at that, um, I, um, I would also, Michael, say uh, for those listening, stay tuned because there's some new resources coming. Uh, uh, okay, I got it. And, and, I can't. And- talk about yet but yeah, we'll but, be but, able to but, shortly let me let me know and i'll pass it on to my okay yeah well follower. maybe we'll have another conversation okay. uh, uh, on that but Fair enough. The, I, okay. I have identified and several others uh, in positions to be able to help agents and brokers have identified this as a huge issue and we are seeking to create a solution that will help agents with this process very good let me know. <laughs> no <right>. question. <laughs> uh, okay, Steve, my final, final, final question to you. If you had the opportunity, which I'm now giving you, <laughs> to, to jump on my soapbox and, and deliver a message that you think is meaningful to the agency community, what is it that you want them to pay attention to or understand that you think is really important right now? Well, I had a thought that comes to mind, and I'm I'm hesitating whether I should say it or not. But well, that that's a yes. <laughs> I was going to say it must be. You know, honestly, the thought that comes to mind is, uh, you know, if you're an agency owner, it's been successful. You've been around a while. You've been around the block. Um, get out of the way. Uh, let identify somebody in your office mm-hmm. who you can rely upon, maybe trust, and let them come back to you with some crazy ideas and don't be afraid to experiment. Don't be afraid to try something and fail. Um, I, I think that's what, honestly, that's okay. 
Yeah. Okay. I got it. I thank you very much. All right, Steve. <laughs> Uh, if um, if if any of our listeners want to reach out to you for whatever reason, how do you want them to do that? Well, my website, steveanderson.com, is uh, always available. And, uh, you know, you can contact me there. And I'm um, fairly active on LinkedIn. So that would be another place to connect and uh, connect, you know connect with me and uh, let me know you heard me here and I'll be glad to, to connect and we can continue a conversation there. Fantastic. All right, Steve. Um, well, you've been generous with your time and, and generous sharing your wisdom. Um, <clears throat> appreciate you spending time with us today. Michael, thanks for the conversation. You it was great. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.